0: Hey, everybody. It is Friday, December 22nd, our last edition of 2023. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu.
1: And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts.
0: And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Uh, Jill, we both find ourselves in Florida this time of year. What a coincidence.
1: Del Boca Vista. It's wonderful (laughs) if you
0: can get a place here. You're a number of miles up the shore uh, from where we are. Um, I hope everyone has made it to their holiday destination safely or makes it to their holiday destination safely. Quick programming note, as I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, uh, this is our last daily edition of the year. We will be putting out uh, a few of our favorite interviews um, next week, so we won't leave you high and dry, but we will be back with daily editions on January 2nd.
1: All right, Mosh, with that, let's get to some news here. A crisis at the southern border. A record number of migrants entered the United States in a single day this week. What, if anything, the government is doing about it? Overseas, more than a dozen people were killed in a mass shooting at a university in Prague. America's mayor, as he was known, Rudy Giuliani, files for bankruptcy after a $148 million judgment in a defamation case. Ordered those Billy bookshelves from Ikea. Get ready to wait a bit longer, thanks to those Houthi attacks in the Red Sea, we'll explain. The state of RSV, flu, and COVID as we head into the holidays. And speaking of the holidays, it is not looking too good for a white Christmas in the United States. Quite the opposite, in fact.
0: Yeah, even up in Minnesota, you guys don't look like you'll have much snow. An unseasonably warm holiday. much of the U.S. this weekend.
1: And should more couples be getting a sleep divorce? Why Cameron Diaz says yes.
0: Yeah, we'll explain what that means. It's not as drastic as it sounds with the word divorce, but still a unique arrangement or not so unique arrangement, Jill. We've had this debate on the Instagram feed a few times.
1: And it is Friday. Cheers to the freaking weekend. What we are watching, reading and eating. All right, let's start with the latest on the crisis at the U.S. southern border. A record number of migrants have been flooding into Eagle Pass, Texas. Amid a surge at the southern border, Customs and Border Protection sources telling Fox News that there were over 12,600 migrant encounters on Monday of this week alone. And that does not include the thousands that were still waiting for processing on Monday evening after a surge of migrants into the area. The number includes over 11,000 illegal immigrant apprehensions and over 1,600 encountered at ports of entry. Sources telling Fox News that facilities are 260 percent over capacity and that agents are outmanned by a ratio of 200 to one. And it isn't just Texas that's dealing with this overwhelming surge in migrants in Tucson, Arizona. There were over 3000 encounters on Monday. Arizona's governor, Katie Hobbs, who is a Democrat, had to deploy the National Guard to help. She said, quote, with this executive order, I am taking action where the federal government won't. But we cannot stand alone. Arizona needs resources and manpower to reopen the Lukeville Crossing, manage the flow of migrants and maintain a secure, orderly and humane border. In all, about two point four million migrants are estimated to have come across the border in the fiscal year of twenty twenty three. September was the highest month on record, and October was the highest October on record.
0: Yeah, the numbers here are really at a new level. Biden officials have privately told lawmakers that about 5,000 illegal migrants are released every day into the U.S. We just don't have the capacity to hold on to all of them. The Biden administration has said that it is trying to increase penalties for illegal entry. They're looking for another $14 billion in funding for border security right now. We've told you about these talks. And this is the funding the White House is requesting alongside funds for Ukraine, for Israel, for Taiwan. Republicans right now are trying to drive a hard bargain, looking for a number of tougher provisions on immigration. The Republicans here are looking for higher asylum standards, more limits on humanitarian parole. And what's notable here is you have the Biden administration acknowledging all of this. They have moved to the right here as they're seeing numbers, they're seeing a border crisis like we have not seen in recent memory in the U.S. At the same time, the Biden administration is looking at expanding lawful pathways for people to come. Up to 30,000 Haitians, Venezuelans, Nicaraguans, and Cubans are being flown in each month through a new program. That said, they continue to deal with undocumented migrants. And President Biden now has uh, said he is deploying Secretary of State Antony Blinken, and a number of top Homeland Security officials to Mexico in the coming days to meet with the Mexican president, uh, that is Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, to discuss what can be taken together, how the two countries can work together uh, to limit the flow of migrants at the U.S. southern border that is just overwhelming our border right now. They're looking at enforcement actions that can be taken on the Mexican side before these migrants get to the U.S. So a whole team of senior officials headed down to Mexico in the coming days. And it comes as the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, uh, has been ratcheting things up. We told you earlier this week on the podcast about uh, Texas making it a state crime to enter the state illegally and looking to deport people unilaterally, not waiting on the feds to do it. Beyond that, He chartered a plane this week of migrants uh, to fly them to Chicago. So that's his latest move after months of busing migrants to sanctuary cities across the country, uh, New York, D.C., Chicago. Now Chicago has been impounding buses that uh, Texas sends migrants up there with. So Abbott has said, I'm going to fly them up there. And so they had a plane land with more than 100 migrants at O'Hare Airport earlier this week. Basically, the message from Texas is, Hey, sanctuary cities. Hey, Democratic-run cities. Get a feel for how what we're dealing with down in Texas right now. The complaint, though, from uh, the northern states is that Texas doesn't coordinate. There's no phone call. There's no discussion. And uh, in many cases, these migrants arrive uh, in these cold-weather locations with no place to go, no coordination with local authorities. Uh, so you continue to see this sort of tit-for-tat happening. Uh, with border state governors, though, Jill, you mentioned Katie Hobbs. She's a Democrat in Arizona who's trying to do stuff on her own, despite the fact that, you know, she is an ally of President Biden here. She's saying that the feds are not doing enough here. So um, the crisis continues down there, and uh, we'll see what comes out of these meetings with the Mexican president. But the numbers are just really incredible right now in terms of the number of people coming across the border. And it does speak to a number of the uh, failed Governments now in Central and South America, more than 7 million Venezuelans have left Venezuela in the last few years under that authoritarian uh, government. You're also seeing problems in Central America and you're seeing Africans, uh, people from Asia, the Middle East, etc., being flown into Central America by pseudo travel agents saying that, you know, they can get into America because the American border is overwhelmed right now.
1: Didn't President Biden put Vice President Kamala Harris in charge of addressing the root causes of uh, this mass immigration from Latin America?
0: Yeah, that was one of the first things he gave Harris as part of her mandate as vice president. She has traveled to Central America uh, on occasion to try to deal with that. But keep in mind what you're talking about is trying to stabilize um, governments, stabilize countries um, so people feel like they can stay there, like they have a future in those places. But as more and more of them hear back that you know their friends, family, neighbors, et cetera, are able to get across the border, they're deciding to basically cut bait in the places they live and come up to the U.S., Uh, But you haven't heard much from VP Harris on this. I don't know if it's a lack of resources she's been given, a lack of authority she's been given or a lack of interest on her part.
1: It was one of those assignments. It it felt like she was being set up to fail. But yeah, and to your point of, of that, it is not just Republicans and Republican state officials calling out the federal government. In New York City, Mayor Adams, a Democrat, basically, you know, ha- has been pleading with the federal government for more resources, saying that this surge of migrants and having to house and take care of all the migrants was going to destroy the city. His words.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's, it costs a lot of money. It's overwhelming educational resources, health resources, etc. Um, and it does seem here that the White House appears to be taking it more seriously now in these conversations with Congress. The question is, of course, uh, the political impact here. It is, as you ask voters for their most important issues, it is getting up there now with the economy, with inflation as one of the most important issues to voters. So the question is, um, how will this play out next year? Uh, clearly at the White House, they realize that this is a thing and they got to be doing more.
1: Okay, we have plenty of news coming up, but now it's one of our newest sponsors. If you were like us, this is a busy time right now, trying to pack everything in before the holidays, work, vacations, family. The last thing that you want to worry about Is meal prep? Well, we're happy to say that we are partnering with Factor, America's number one ready to eat meal delivery service. They have ready to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They are never frozen, chef prepared, dietitian approved. These ready to eat meals are delivered straight to your door. I have been loving them. I love the cold-pressed juice, the pasta dishes. I've loved all the chicken meals as well. They are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Treat yourself to high-quality, delicious meals over the holidays. You could choose from more than 35 chef-crafted meals every week. They support a healthy lifestyle. And they have tons of Options like calorie smart, vegan, veggie, protein plus, and more. Just head to Factor Meals, that is F A C T O R, Factor Meals.com slash Monus 50 and use that code Monus 50. You get 50% off. Again, that code Monus 50 at Factor Meals.com slash Monus 50 to get 50% off. Time now for the speed read from the Associated Press. It is a headline we have sadly grown accustomed to seeing in the United States, but this time there was a mass shooting Thursday in Prague. An armed man opened fire in a university building in the capital of the Czech Republic on Thursday, killing at least 14 people and injuring dozens. It is one of the country's worst mass shootings of its kind, and it happened in the philosophy department building of Charles University. Prague's police chief says the shooter was a student who is now dead. He has not been named publicly. At this point, police have given no details about the names of the victims or a possible motive.
0: Yeah. uh, While Europe is on high alert for uh, terrorism right now, investigators there do not believe initially that uh, the shooter was linked to any extremist ideology or groups. The gunman had killed his father earlier in the day, apparently had been uh, contemplating suicide. Officials, there are not elaborating beyond that. Witnesses say they did see a person standing on a balcony of a building and shooting a gun. This is an area, by the way, if you've traveled to Prague, where uh, students, uh, tourists, etc., gather to enjoy views of Prague Castle. That's the seat of the uh, Czech presidency. And we should note mass shootings are pretty rare outside the U.S. Uh, As a point of comparison here in the year 2019, there were 195 gun deaths in Czech Republic. That's a country of about 11 million people. By contrast, We saw more than 15,000 firearm deaths uh, in the same year here in the U.S. So while we have 30 times the population, we saw 75 times the gun deaths here.
1: From The Wall Street Journal, Rudy Giuliani, the former New York City mayor and ex-lawyer for Donald Trump, has filed for bankruptcy. That is after a court ordered him to pay nearly $150 million to two Georgia election workers for defaming them Giuliani filed for chapter 11 in the US bankruptcy court yesterday reporting estimated assets of between 1 million and 10 million and estimated liabilities of at least 152 million
0: Yeah that's quite a chasm there uh, up to 10 million in assets and you owe 152 million
1: yeah, his liabilities include millions of unpaid debts from lawsuits. Around 148 million is owed to Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Shay Moss. Those are two election workers whom Giuliani falsely accused of meddling with the 2020 presidential election results in Georgia. A federal judge on Wednesday ordered Giuliani to immediately pay the money he owes to Moss and Freeman saying that he might, quote, hide his financial assets if he were allowed to wait.
0: Yeah, his hope with this filing is that he won't have to pay. Uh, He wants to appeal this defamation ruling. Uh, He owes creditors, as you mentioned, just over $152 million because of the various lawsuits. By the way, he also owes about a million dollars in back taxes. And a lot of this goes to his legal work uh, for Donald Trump, which has not uh, been very good or lucrative for Rudy Giuliani here. He first faced the lawsuit from Dominion Voting Systems for claims, his claims, that the company helped rig the presidential race against Trump. He had no documentation or evidence of that. Uh, Giuliani, by the way, has also been indicted in Georgia in a racketeering case for helping the former president tamper with the state's election there. Then there was a defamation case that you just mentioned, uh, saying the two women tried to steal the election. Uh, Those accusations made their life hell. They sued for defamation. They won. They were found to be deserving of $150 million. Legal analysts here say the bankruptcy filing will not get Giuliani out of paying the women, though he will probably try to get the sum reduced here. We'll see what happens. Uh, His financial problems have really escalated in recent years. There are liens against his property. He's trying to sell an apartment in New York City, another uh, property in Florida. At his peak, Just a few years ago, you mentioned, you know, he was known as America's mayor. He was making millions of dollars a year in private law practice, his consulting firm. But we would learn uh, when he got divorced from his third wife a couple of years ago, how much he was actually spending. That at his peak there, he was spending $230,000 a month, uh, had six houses and 11 country club memberships. Now, of course, uh, he has to bring together uh, $150 million or try to get that sum reduced.
1: From Fortune, if you have plans to redecorate in the new year with your brand new IKEA furniture, there is a good chance you're going to need to reschedule thanks to recent attacks on the Red Sea shipping route. IKEA says that it expects to face delays as a result of the emerging conflict in the Red Sea after drone attacks from Houthi-controlled areas of Yemen started to hit that vital commercial passage near the Suez Canal earlier this week. The group, backed by Iran, has stepped up its attacks since the onset of the Israel-Hamas war, with Yemeni rebels describing ships with ties to Israel as, quote, legitimate targets. The conflict has seen the U.S. military step in and risks the smooth passage of hundreds of millions of dollars worth of goods. It could cause fresh havoc to the global supply chain, and IKEA now becoming one of the growing list of companies to admit that its products are going to take longer to get to the hands of customers. As a result,
0: yeah, IKEA doesn't own any of its own container vessels. So all of its shipments have to be managed through transportation partners. Now, IKEA didn't elaborate which products we might see delays on right now, uh, but they're not the only company that's dealing with this. BP Oil, uh, a whole bunch of shipping companies and manufacturers around the world depend on that shipping route. So now a lot of ships are trying to reroute around Africa, around the Cape of Good Hope. Uh, that adds up to two weeks sometimes to the journey. Um, And so a lot of them are diverting instead of going through the Suez Canal Red Sea, they're going all the way around Africa. So um, as this transition happens, that's why you might see delays, and you might see added costs, because of course, it costs more to go the longer route.
1: From USA Today, House Republicans are expanding their investigation into Harvard President Claudine Gay following allegations of plagiarism surrounding her work. It is the latest salvo in a Capitol Hill fight with college presidents as the House Education and Workforce Committee ramps up backlash against Gay and other leaders who were grilled earlier this month about anti-Semitism on campus. Representative Virginia Fox, she is a Republican from North Carolina, said in a letter this week that the House will examine whether Harvard holds its own faculty to the same academic standards as its students. The Harvard board also launched an independent review of her published work after learning about concerns around three articles that she had published in October. The review found, quote, a few instances of inadequate citation, while the analysis found no violation of Harvard's standards for research misconduct. They say Gay is proactively requesting for corrections in two articles.
0: Yeah, this is something that universities take pretty seriously at that level. Uh, and of course, Claudine Gay finds herself in uh, the sights right now of Republicans. a sort of catnip for Republicans being able to go after an elitist institution, a leader uh, that they don't love. Uh, but Harvard recognizes that this is an issue here. They are facing mounting questions um, over the possible plagiarism. They found a couple extra issues of what they call duplicative language without appropriate attribution. This is in Claudine Gay's 1997 doctoral dissertation. Uh, The examples range from brief snippets of technical definitions to paragraphs summing up other scholars' research that are uh, lightly paraphrased and, in some cases, lack direct citation. Again, the bigger issue there is, did they have more lax standards for her than other folks at Harvard? So clearly, Harvard dealing with this, Republicans seeing an opportunity to continue to make her life uh, challenging there, again, Uh, This all comes as she's in the spotlight here after those comments at the congressional hearing earlier this month, where she effectively equivocated whether students calling for Jewish genocide would be disciplined. Uh, And then she saw one of the other people who testified alongside her, the University of Pennsylvania president, be forced out. Claudine Gay surviving so far at Harvard. But we'll watch how this plagiarism stuff works out.
1: I don't think it's totally accurate, though, to say that this is just catnip for Republicans. There are a lot of people in academia who have been questioning this and if it was kosher, so to speak, and even the Boston Globe, which is not a right-leaning publication. They had an editorial a couple of days ago where they said, did Claudine Gay plagiarize or not? Harvard should be clear. The university's governing board said a review of the president's work had found instances of, quote, inadequate citation but also that she hadn't violated standards for research misconduct, huh? And I think it is a bit confusing. There was also an article written by one of the people that she was said to have of lifted some of the work uh, and they were none too pleased.
0: Yeah, my point is there's probably tens of thousands of these examples around the country. Congress is focused on the Harvard president for obvious reasons, but if they went through every professor and every <laughs> university president across the country, I imagine Uh, they would find a lot of these examples. She just happens to be in their sights right now.
1: From the USA Today, flu is ramping up across the country just as millions prepare to hit the road for holiday celebrations. While influenza activity across the U.S., isn't currently at abnormal levels. Travelers might want to take some precautions to avoid illness and prevent spreading it. More than half of the states in the U.S., especially those in the South, have reported high or very high flu activity as of the week ending on December 9th. The CDC director saying this week that the U.S. is seeing a sharp increase in flu levels right now, particularly in the South. COVID cases also appear to be climbing nationally. So, we have not yet peaked on COVID or flu for the season.
0: Right. Uh, still going up there. However, the CDC does believe that RSV has already peaked for the season. The pattern is a bit different from last year. That's when all three viruses were peaking together. You might remember that. We saw the surge, especially of kids going to the hospital in fall of 2022, though that was coming off of two years of a lot of quarantine, et cetera. So a lot of kids hadn't developed their immunity to these things. So RSV, we've peaked. COVID and flu, we have not. The CDC sent an alert last week warning healthcare providers about low vaccination rates for all three right now. About 18% of adults and only 8% of children uh, have received updated COVID shots. Uh, This year's flu shot, which apparently is a pretty good match for the circulating strains, uh, has reduced the risk of flu hospitalizations By 52 percent, the CDC said in a recent report. And so far this year, it's just under about 50 percent of adults and children have gotten their flu shots.
1: For Maxios, forget the chance of a white Christmas in the Midwest and much of the East this year. Instead, record warmth is on tap. Mild air is flowing across the lower 48 states as a result of an extremely strong west to east jet stream flowing across the Pacific Ocean. This feature is connected to a strong El Nino, which is still going on. The jet stream configuration, which influences how storm systems form and move, is preventing the frigid Arctic air from diving south out of Canada, as is more typical at this time of year. Instead, temperatures from Dallas to Minneapolis and north into Canada are likely to range from 20 to 35 degrees above average during Christmas week. Iowa, Wisconsin, and Minnesota likely to see the warmest conditions relative to the average.
0: Yeah, so enjoy it, folks, if you uh, have an unseasonably warm Christmas week. Uh, And it will be noticeable into the northern reaches of the U.S., one of the most reliable regions for a white Christmas, far northern Minnesota and Wisconsin uh, this year, likely to feature bare ground Right now, only about 14% of the lower 48 states uh, have snow cover. That is the lowest amount in 20 years. Uh, clearly, uh, El Nino is a factor here. Climate change is a factor here. Now, as for where you might have a white Christmas, snow is looking like it's increasingly likely in the Northern Rockies, the Northern Plains, according to AccuWeather. A belt of heavy snow is expected to fall Colorado wyoming nebraska and the dakotas Uh, denver airport will get a number of inches of snow warning that was the issue last year with southwest airlines Uh, that's one of their hubs let's hope uh, they can manage that though by denver standards uh, two to four inches of snow should be totally manageable uh, for the folks at denver international
1: southwest ceo had promised they are not going to have a repeat of last year so hopefully that's the case no
0: and and based on this forecast Looks like we're going to be okay. I'm just adding a, a little note of caution to check the forecast and check the reports throughout the weekend.
1: Meanwhile, Florida is cold relatively.
0: Well, in the 70s, Jill. They <laughs> complain about that down here. I just, I just came from New York where it's below freezing, and everyone's like, "Well, watch out, bring a jacket to Florida. It's cold." And I get off the plane, and I'm like, "It's 73." <laughs>
1: And from CNN, a story gone viral. Cameron Diaz says that, quote, we should normalize separate bedrooms. He snores until the walls rattle. She gives off a massive amount of body heat. One of you is a cover hog, kicks at night or takes consistent 3 a.m. bathroom breaks. Maybe you sleepwalk or suffer from insomnia. Such nighttime disturbances are all too common, experts say. That sounds
0: like a nightmare couple, Jill. I hope that's not, <laughs> just, one. I hope that's not just one, one group of partners.
1: <laughs> well, Cameron Diaz's answer: separate bedrooms. She said this while talking about her marriage of eight years to good Charlotte rocker Benji Madden, whom she said is wonderful. She said to me, "I would literally. I have my house. You have yours. We have the family house in the middle. I'll go and sleep in my room. You go sleep in your room. I'm fine." And then she said, we can even have the bedroom in the middle that we can convene for our relations.
0: Must be nice, Jill. Two a lot of rooms. It's a lot of rooms. <laughs> like, why not make the, like, convening bedroom one of the two bedrooms? Why do you need a third bedroom for convening? But listen, to each their own. And if you did that well off of uh, Vanilla Sky and Something About Mary. The holiday. The to you, Cameron Diaz. One of my favorites. The holiday, yes. So apparently the term for this, as you mentioned earlier, is called sleep divorce. And it's something more and more couples are uh, considering where they sleep in separate bedrooms to maximize their sleep quality. When it comes to health, poor sleep is a major problem, is a major culprit when it comes to bad health. Being deprived of your full eight hours of sleep every night can increase your risk of diabetes, stroke, cardiovascular disease, dementia, a whole bunch of stuff, including, of course, there's the emotional toll as well, uh, your mood and everything else about your relationship when it comes to a lack of sleep. So, you know, folks are looking big picture here saying that while optically this might not uh, be uh, great or you might not feel confident in talking about being having sleep divorce, that this is actually a solution to longer term health. Jill, I know that you and Michael are big sleep divorce people.
1: We are. And it was very unintentional. When we first moved in with each other, I was working a very, very early schedule, pretty much an overnight, actually, at CBS. I had to be on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange at about 2, 2 2.30 a.m. if I was really pushing it. And therefore, I would go to sleep really early at like 6 or 7 p.m., So we just got into this habit of him kind of just falling asleep on the couch. And then we were like ships that passed in the night. I would leave and he'd go into Mm -hmm. the bedroom. We were just living in the city at this point. So we didn't have an extra, an extra bedroom.
0: So you didn't have the Cameron Diaz set up with the three separate rooms? (laughs) No, it
1: was a couch (laughs) in the living room. And then, I don't know, it kind of just stuck. At some point we had our dog and he was really sick. So, so my husband used to sleep with him on the couch and then I, just one thing led to another. And we tend to sleep in different bedrooms. I wouldn't say every night, but, I, you know, maybe four nights a week. Judge away, America.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no judgment. Listen, I think at the end of the day, um, last year, when we first brought that story to the Instagram account about millennials kicking off the top sheet, and then we got into a large discussion on Instagram about sleep habits. And then it came up that people, you know, couples that sleep in separate bedrooms, now they swear by it. Um, And then it saved their marriage, uh, you know, beyond the various sheet arrangements you can have. People talking about having two twin sheets on a king size bed. So you each have your own sheets. Um, Anyway, so everyone has their shtick. Everyone has their setup. And if it works for you, great. But uh, notable here, Cameron Diaz, uh, trying to make a point of saying, we need to normalize this. Um, It is Okay. So uh, I think we'll put it up for a debate on the Instagram account and see what people are uh, thinking on this.
1: For the record, I will say that I actually prefer sleeping in the same bed as my husband. I like it. I, I think it adds like a closeness. <laughs> I think noted. <laughs> noted, 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 Michael. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thanks for thanks for clarifying, I, Jill. I, Noted everyone, listeners, who hear this. I feel like she does enjoy sleeping in the same bed as her husband.
1: I feel like every once in a while I'll mention to someone that we do sometimes sleep in different rooms. And I always add this caveat yeah. like, but our marriage is OK. We're happy. We're fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's why Cameron is trying to normalize it, Jill. So you don't have to do that second part where you have to say, but it's OK, but it's OK.
1: All right, it is Friday. Cheers to the freaking weekend. Time for what we are watching, reading, and eating. Mosh, kick it off.
0: So I keep hearing about May, December with Julianne Moore. I guess it's loosely based on the uh, Mary Kay Letourneau story. Um, so I definitely want to check that out. Um, I still, by the way, admission, haven't watched Oppenheimer uh, that came out this summer. Um, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast that I was planning to watch it one weekend. I still haven't. And that's on my agenda uh, for this holiday period to finally watch Oppenheimer and, of course, a lot of sports in the coming week between college football and the NFL. What do you got, Jill?
1: Okay, so because of the sleeping arrangements in my in-law's house in Boca, my husband and I are in the same bedroom. (laughs) And so we have been watching movies (laughs) (laughs) and things that we can enjoy together. Uh, Last night, we watched Almost Famous, such a great movie, uh, and highly recommend if anyone sees that kind of on their queue somewhere. Fire it up. Penny Lane. Yeah, it's it's great. It still works all
0: these years later. All right, Jill, what are you reading this weekend?
1: So, Mosh, instead of what I'm reading, I'm going to tell you what I am listening to. I'm going to give you a good podcast recommendation, which you and I actually both promoted over on Instagram. Hillary Clinton has a podcast. It's called You and Me Both. And this past week, she spoke to her husband, Bill Clinton, about a host of issues, including his time negotiating peace in the Middle East with Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak and Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat at Camp David back in 2000. And Clinton talks about how close they were to a deal. This conversation is just so especially fascinating given the current state of the world and what's going on between Israel and Hamas. In Clinton's words, he said it was Arafat who walked away from what he described as as really an incredible deal uh, on the israeli side on a two state solution he said arafat basically just didn't give an answer yes or no and in clinton's words he says you know we could have literally had 23 years of peace of a palestinian state side by side with israel and instead look where we are according to his analysis israeli voters just got so kind of fed up with what they felt like was being negged on an amazing peace deal that they started to elect more right-wing leaders. And I guess, you know, par for the course of where we are at
0: this point. Yeah, sadly, we've never looked farther apart from a peace deal uh, than we do today versus where we were a couple of decades ago.
1: All right, Mosh. Are you going to let your hair down and read something light over the vacation (laughs) or
0: tell us? So it's an article that caught my attention. The headline over the Wall Street Journal, dating in your 70s has never been this much fun. They go into the fact that demand for senior dating services from local mixers to apps is higher than ever as America ages um, within the next few years. There will be more residents over 65 than under 18 for the first time. And about a third of Americans over 50 are single, and that actually rises um, over the age of 65. So fun to read about how uh, people in their golden years are really uh, taking dating seriously. All
1: right, Mosh, what are we eating?
0: Well, we're both in South Florida, so definitely DM us with suggestions. Right now, I can say we'll be making a trip down to Joe's Stone Crab in Miami, which is a classic place. Uh, we go to every time we're here this time of year. But I know the food scene here changes uh, rapidly. So please let us know your favorites uh, in South Florida, as uh, Jill and I will both be here for a bit.
1: Mosh, pack your patience at Joe Stone Crabs. The line tends to be very oh, long.
0: Unless you drop some cash on certain people there,
1: Jill. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, the tricks. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be enjoying some challah French toast, one of my favorites anytime I head down to Florida. Okay. And with that, uh, a wrap of our last edition, our last daily edition anyway of the year. A big thank you for real to everybody who is listening to this podcast, uh, who writes us, who messages us, tells their friends about us, or even just listens quietly and doesn't say a word. We appreciate it. There are so many podcasts out there, so many different media uh, platforms that can get your attention. And the fact that you choose to spend 30 to 40 minutes with us a day really means the world. So thank you.
0: Yeah, we put out nearly 300 editions this year. Jill, uh, more than 3.3 million downloads um, and listens. So we appreciate all of you who have made our podcast part of your 2023. As I noted yesterday, those of you who showed your Spotify wraps that we're in the top 1% uh, for some of you. We're in the top five. For some of you, we are the top podcast. For a couple of you, uh, our podcast and the premium podcast are your top two podcasts. So thank you uh, for that as well, for joining Mo News Premium. And again, uh, next week, we'll be putting out a new interview and some of our favorites from the year you might have missed amid all the daily editions. So look out for that in your feed next week. And uh, otherwise, have a Merry Christmas. Have a Happy New Year. And I wish all of you a safe holiday, uh, a positive holiday. With your friends, with your family, whoever you choose to spend it with. And we'll see you back here in 2024.
1: Yep, not that I'm trying to get in the last word, but yes, a very Merry Christmas to everyone who celebrates and a happy new year. And might I just say, um, wishes for Mosh wishes us a happy Merry <laughs> Christmas, but then Jill didn't say. I'm so gonna one up him you, Jill, on a for... on my happy holidays. I did wanna say I'm I'm just praying, like so many of us, for a much more peaceful 2024.
0: Yes, let's hope so. Uh, We do have uh, a newsletter out today, by the way, where we do look ahead to 2024 with uh, some of the storylines we'll be watching. So definitely check that out over on the Mo newsletter.
1: All right, bye, everybody.
0: Later. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.